then you see three people coming your way, right? And it's not like living in the city where it's like, oh, there they are. They pulled up in my driveway. It's, there are three people coming. You ever seen um, uh, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, right? Where it shows these guys that are running towards the fort, and it cuts away to the fort where the guy, the French guys are watching. And then it cuts back to the guys running towards the fort, and it cuts back to the French guy, and they never seem to be getting anywhere. And then all of a sudden, they're there. That's kind of the way I picture this story. It's like, oh, three guys. Here they come. You know, there's no watch. But finally, these guys show up at the tent. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. And really this, Neil, you know what this low to the ground looks like. Could you show us what low to the ground looks like up here? (laughs) He chooses not to. Uh, The word for worship, and like when they're bowing low to the ground here, they are putting their face on the ground, right? In some cases, they are laying flat on the ground. And the whole idea is you're making yourself lower than the other person, and they are higher than you. So Abraham, these are strangers at his gate, and he is bowing and giving them honor. It's a big deal. And not just bowing. He's down in the dirt or on a rug or something. Uh, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought. And then you, then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. And that get something to eat, the word that's used there is usually like a small, let me get you a little something. Can I get you a little something? Yeah, sure. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three uh, seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some, how long do you think this took? He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Right? So he's the servant. Abraham's taking the servant role. They're sitting down to eat, and he's standing near them, waiting for them to ask him for something under the tree. But he, they show up at his gate, and he's like, let's slaughter a calf. Now, my dad has slaughtered a calf. We've done that. Uh, it's not a quick process. You know, you got, there's some things you got to do. So you kind of wonder what's happening during this time. The other thing is, has anybody ever, this is, you know, we read over these stories. Does anybody know how much bread she made out of these three measures or sayas of bread? Anybody know? How many of you bake? Anybody bake in here? Jeff, I appreciate that. I'm a baker. T- I, okay, Listen. This is 72 pounds of flour. It's this much flour to make bread, okay? Now, if you don't bake, then you're like, okay, how much is that? Each of these is five pounds. Those of you who bake, how many, like, regular loaves of bread could you make out of just one of these? Three or four, maybe five, right? No? It depends on how thick you're going to do it. Four loaves, she knows. She's certain. So... Three people show up at the gate, and he says, "Let me. can I get you a little something? And they go, sure. Hey, let's make some bread, right? And they make uh, this much bread. 
and they kill the fattened calf. And remember I told you last week that, that uh, the rabbis would use this memorizing technique called remez, where they would say one phrase and it would trigger the whole thing. We do that too. We just don't practice it. So if I said, a long time ago in a galaxy... F- yeah, that's from... What, what is that from? Star- the younger people are like, Star Wars? Is that Star Wars? Right? Romeo, Romeo... Right? You got it? Where's the beef? That shows your age right there. Right? Listen, these are remis statements, and they bring things back to your memory, right? For some of you, you're remembering that first time you saw Star Wars in the theater, and that thing went across a long time ago in the galaxy, right? For some of you, you're remembering the fact that your parents wanted you to watch it because they thought it was cool, and, and you're like, why? Right? That kind of a thing. Do you know of any other place in the scripture where it says a woman went to make some bread and she took three measures of flour? Turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. This is much later in the story, a couple of thousand years later, and Jesus shows up to a group of people who their history says that they are God's chosen people to be priests in the world and to be a blessing to the entire world. And they've been conquered for almost, with the exception of about 100 years, they've been conquered for about 500 years. Right? They've been kicked around by foreign people who live in their midst, and they're waiting for the day that God makes all these promises come true. And Jesus shows up, and he's preaching this thing, and he's saying, guess what? The kingdom of God is here now. And some of those people were thinking, oh, finally, we get to kill the Romans, right? We get to kick them out. We get to do all kinds of great things. And Jesus tells this parable. The first one he tells, we're going to look at this one. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. That would be good for you to know, wouldn't it? Um, Let's do Matthew chapter 13. Verse 31. He's telling a bunch of parables in this this, uh, chapter. We're going to read these two. Jesus tells them this parable. So he's going around telling these stories of the kingdom. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. It was the smallest of all of your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. This is kind of a weird story because actually the mustard plant never becomes a tree. Like if you take a trip to Israel now, there'll be guides who will say, oh, this is the mustard tree, but it's really not the same plant that this is describing here. So Jesus kind of changes the metaphor in the middle of the story. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. It's like this mustard plant that will take over your whole garden if you let it. And this mustard plant grows into a tree where all the birds get to nest. Okay? And we hear that story and we go, oh, mustard. Hmm. Yes. No, I don't get it. Right? There's a story, though, that happens throughout, um, happens in the prophets and it's in Jewish literature. It's this idea that Israel would grow into a great oak and all the nations would come and take shade under its branches. And Jesus is basically saying to them, let me tell you what the kingdom is like. It's like this weed that just gets out of control, but eventually it becomes this oak that God promised it would be. Right? So it's kind of a cool story. Um, and then he tells this story. He's told them still another parable. And I'm sure they're all saying, why don't you just tell us straight what's going to happen? But he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it soaked through all the dough. If you have your own Bible here, it doesn't actually say a large amount of flour. 
In the Greek, it's very specific. Three measures of flour. It's the same phrase that's used in Genesis. It's the only two places in the scripture where that is talked about. And don't you know that Jewish people are aware of the story of the promise of Isaac's birth? Like the three people showing up and it's the time. Because what happens is, is these three men show up and they eat. And as soon as they eat, they say to Abraham, God says to Abraham, because he's one of the three, you're going to have a son with Sarah. And Abraham had laughed before. And he actually says, within a year, Abraham, you're going to have a son. I'll be back. You'll have a son. Abraham's 100 years old at this point. Sarah's 90. Sarah's in the tent cleaning up from the bread, right? Abraham's out, right? Sorry, it's the way it goes. Sarah hears it in the tent, and this time she laughs. And the Hebrew word for laughter is basically what becomes the Yitzhak. Like it's, it's, that's the word for laughter. And so that becomes Isaac's name, right? This is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. And I guarantee you that the people listening to Jesus knew that story. And as soon as he said, it's like a woman baking three measures of bread, they went, Something clicked for them. Like they're looking for how that connection is. And the story of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what we read as we go on through Genesis, is it's kind of this idea of this mustard seed. Here's a frail old man that the hopes of the world is hanging on, and his wife, who's 90, right? Who have these jacked up lives. Anything could go wrong. And God shows up and says, I'm going to be true to the promise. You can count on it. Right? And Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this. And it's kind of like, in my mind, it's like him saying, God's going to be true to the promise. And you have to let him work it out in these unexpected ways. Right? God sends Israel into Babylon, and that spreads the gospel through the Jews, through the world. Jews are spread all through the world at that point. And Christianity spread through Jewish congregations throughout the Roman Empire and throughout the East that had happened during the first exile and had continued to happen all the way down to Jesus' day. Remember I talked about a couple of weeks ago that gathering and scattering? God works in unexpected ways. He doesn't show up to conquer. It's like a mustard seed that's working its way through, a little leaven and a whole lot of flour. Um, it's mowing people's yards. It's becoming a Maasai woman accidentally. I mean, it's, it's all kinds of strange stories, right? So God promises Abraham he's going to have this son, and they do have a son named Isaac. And then we're reading along in the story, if you turn over in the story, and you probably know this too. Turn back to Genesis, by the way. We're not going to be in uh, math anymore. <clears throat> Isaac is born. Hagar and Ishmael are sent away, and God tells them again that he sees them. And then in chapter 22, I just can't imagine this. As soon as somebody tells you that God does not act this way, be careful. Because God will act any way he wants. Right? I mean, the name of God, Yahweh, what we're going to find out later when God appears to uh, Moses in the burning bush, and, and Moses says, what's your name? And God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your forefathers. Like, no, no, what's your name? That I can tell Pharaoh, what's your name? And God says to him, Tell Pharaoh that Eya Asher Eya has sent you. I will be what I will be. It's a cool name for a God that we follow, Yahweh. He will be what he will be. So here's this thing. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. Again, I wonder, how did this go down? Right? Like, is this in the middle of the night? Is it during the day? Is it out? 
tending sheep? Does God show up in person again? I, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Right? What would you say if I showed up and I said, listen, guys, last night I was praying? And God, I think he's telling me to sacrifice one of my kids. <laughs> Amy's like, no, right? No, right? I would be too. I'd be like, this is not God. God promises him this wonderful lineage, all these blessings to the whole world through his multiple descendants, and now he's saying, sacrifice Isaac to me. And we know that child sacrifice was something that was practiced in the Middle East, so Abraham would have been familiar with it. And he gets his donkey, he gets the wood, he gets his servants, and they start heading out to Moriah. And if you think of Isaac as being this, don't think of that. Think of Isaac as being this, because he's probably 12, which means <laughs> to me. Um, he's, a, he's a na'ar, which means he's a young adult. The rabbinic teaching, uh, based upon the time that Sarah dies, they said that he was 37 years old. Changes the story a little bit, doesn't it? Isaac knew what was happening. He's carrying the sticks. They got the knife. They know where they're going. Abraham's building an altar. Uh, Dad, where's the lamb? Just, I was just kind of wondering because it's the serpents we left back and the donkey. It's me and you, right? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. Right? Here's this guy that wrestles with God for Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's still wrestling with God. All right, God, I'll do what you're saying but you're going to provide because you promised me. Like, that's not in the story, but it's in the story, right? And what does God do? He provides, right? And they, God, it's drama. He binds Isaac. Now, if he's 37, you know what I'm doing if I'm Isaac? <laughs> right? Hey, servant, go see my dad. He needs somebody up there, right? You're sending somebody up that way. Isaac must have let himself, he knows what's going down. Child sacrifice is not, you know, the sacrifice of the firstborn. And so there's this law in Israel in the Torah that every firstborn child will be redeemed. We will not sacrifice children. We don't do that. We don't follow a God who makes us sacrifice children because Isaac is redeemed. But it is at the last minute. He's tied up. He's on the altar. Fire's going. Abraham does this. It says he stretches out his hand with the knife. And then an angel appears to stop him and says, No, Abraham. And he, there's a lamb, a ram caught in the thorn bush. Right, in a thicket um, that they sacrifice. Now, Jerry Springer, right? We got two people on the show today, Abraham and his son Isaac. And apparently there's an issue between the two of them. Isaac, can you tell me what happened? My dad trying to kill me, you know, right? What's interesting in the story is that Abraham and Isaac never talk to each other again. Abraham sets it up to where he's gonna, Isaac's going to find his wife, but he's always speaking through his servants. Abraham leaves and goes back with his servants, and Isaac goes off in a different direction. Right? It's interesting. Interesting. So in that story, they never speak to each other again. Abraham and Sarah die. Then Isaac, he's he's the only one of the promise. So he gets to carry on this promise that God made to Abraham. And so Isaac has a wife, and she gets pregnant. She's She's got twins, and she has two boys. And the first one's name is Esau. And the youngest name is Jacob. 
right? Now, in Middle Eastern culture, if you're the firstborn child, you basically get everything, right? Everybody else gets a percentage of what's left. You get twice as much of your, a double portion of your father's inheritance. And so Esau is the guy that's set to receive everything, okay? And the Bible tells us that he is Jacob's favorite. He's a man of the field, and he goes out and he goes hunting. He's an outdoors guy. He's, that, he's a man's man. And Jacob stays around the tent. He's the guy that's around the tent, and he's Rebecca's favorite, right? He's a mama's boy. Esau is out hunting one day, and he gets hungry, and he comes back in. I just, you know, I have to fill this in. I don't really know what it's like at all, but I can just imagine. He comes back, Isaac, or I mean, Jacob, fix me something, you know? And, I, and Jacob, his name means, and by the way, J- Jimmy comes from James, which comes from Jacob, and it basically means the guy who walks up behind you and hamstrings you to take your place. He's the guy that grabs the heel and trips you up. So just be careful, okay? And that's Jacob's namesake. And so Esau comes in all hungry, and, and Jacob says to Esau, i tell you what I'll do. For your birthright, I'll give you a bowl of lentils. Esau is the stereotypical, in my mind, like this is not true, but in my mind. He's a stereotypical, excuse me if you were this person. He's a stereotypical dumb jock, okay? Sure, man. And he takes it. Right? And Jacob's like, I got it. Because God takes those things seriously, and that culture took those things seriously. And Esau eats that bowl of beans. You ever heard it's not worth the hill of beans? Right? He eats it, and he loses the double portion of the inheritance that is due him. I'm sure that once he realized what he did, he was like, what have I just done? Right? And then time goes on, and Isaac's on his deathbed, and he's gone blind. Right? And it's time for him to bless his sons. Remember, he's received this blessing from Isaac, who received this blessing from Abraham, who received this blessing from God to be a blessing to the whole world. It's a big deal. The line of the Messiah is in this. Right? They didn't know that, but we know that. It's a big deal. And it comes time for the blessing, and the trickster Jacob gets with his mom, and they conspire to trick Isaac. Esau has gone out to go hunting for his dad to prepare this, his favorite meal be Thai food for Ben, but it wouldn't be for them. It'd be Middle Eastern food, of course. And so they go out. He goes out to go hunting. And while he's gone, they come up with this plan. Listen, cover yourself with uh, some fur because Esau was a hairy man, and uh, you'll smell like the field. And go in and pretend to be Esau, and your father will give you the blessing. Jacob, the trickster, he goes in and he does it. How horrible is that? This is a lousy jerk of a guy. Right? Imagine if my dad had this intention of leaving everything to my brother. Right? And I go in and trick him to get everything that belongs to my brother. How horrible would I be? It'd be bad. It would not be good. And they do this. And Isaac kind of knows something else is up. But he goes ahead and gives the blessing. And then Esau comes back. And Isaac says, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And it, it's, it's another Jerry Maguire situation. What have you done to me? Father, is there any blessing left for me? And, Esau bas- and J- Isaac basically says to Esau, no. I've given it all to, I- uh, to Jacob. Now, from that point on, Esau wants to kill Jacob. Right? Jacob has to flee, and he goes and basically finds his wife, wives after he flees. Okay? Um, so, interesting things about these stories. Here's the thing. Jesus, at the Last Supper, he says, whenever you eat bread, whenever you eat meals together, remember me. 
The promise to Abraham was made when Abraham showed this extravagant hospitality to strangers at his gate. And he made more than enough food for three men, way more than they needed. And he makes it for them. And he has his servants make it for them. And they do all these things. God starts things like a mustard seed that takes over your garden. He starts things like leaven that takes over bread and causes it to rise. Right? No matter who you are in your life and where you are and how jacked up your family is, and I guarantee you're not any more jacked up than these people, Right? No matter how bad your sibling rivalries are, how bad you feel like your parents have betrayed you, or any of that stuff, or how you're wondering how God's dreams that he's put in your heart are going to come true, God, the kingdom of God is spreading. And I think for us, it's spreading by us telling stories and us taking steps of faith. And I think in some ways, it's us showing gracious hospitality to people that we would rather not show hospitality to. Right? There's a rabbinic story that says that Abraham had a guy visit him who wanted to spend the night. And this guy started worshiping idols, and Abraham kicked him out. And God appears to Abraham and says, what are you doing? He says, well, he was worshiping idols. And God says, I have borne with him his entire life. And you could not stand him for one night. You were meant to show grace to him like I have done. Right? Radical hospitality. We've been talking about this before, like wherever your life is at and whoever God has put in your life and whatever dreams God has put in your life, whether it's to leave your home country or to go across the street and talk to your neighbor or to find out something about the Muslim community in Oklahoma City or volunteer your time at Camp Shiloh. I think everybody's got something, probably a list of things God is calling us to do to live out the kingdom. And I just want to keep reiterating to you, it doesn't matter how human you are. He already knows that. What he wants is for us to walk in faith and just give ourselves over and over. So what we're going to find out is Jacob's a jerk, and his name gets changed to a pretty important name in the Bible. His name gets changed to Israel. He is the one that the blessings come through, and he is the one, and God chooses him. And there's this prayer that basically Jacob runs into God unexpectedly. He says, God was in this place, and I did not know it. And he builds an altar called Bethel, a place called Bethel. And there's probably places in our lives that, God's already there, and he's just waiting for us to act faithfully. He's waiting for us to act extravagantly in grace towards other people and faithfulness. So here's the thing. We bought all this flour. If you bake, and maybe if you don't bake, this would be a good thing too. I'm just going to challenge you to take a bag of flour, take it, and start baking stuff for people who live around you or who are in your life. Start throwing parties at your house and bake something. When they walk into your house, they can smell the brownies, right? Or maybe it's the person down the street, and you say, this is the first time I've ever baked anything in my life. Here's some bread. <laughs> right? Because it's the way into pe- Through the mouth is to the heart, right? Right? Like, what if we just became those people who said, you know, our father Abraham, he threw these big parties for people where there was more than enough, and we just want to start throwing big parties for people. And maybe if you say, no, the flower thing's not for me, you just start thinking of ways that you can show radical hospitality to people. And wouldn't it be cool to have stories to talk about how the kingdom of God is spreading here just like it happened in Tanzania, right? That we get to be the people who gather around somebody and jump around and make them one of us. And they're freaked out by it. And they don't even know it, right? How cool would that be? So take a thing of flower, and if there's not any left, then come up with some other creative way to do it. And I want to hear those stories. I mean, I really do. How cool would it be if we come back and as missionaries here, we just start saying, 
you know, I did. I baked that bread. Three of us got together, and it was the first time, and we took it to somebody, and here's the story. I don't know. I just thought it was, I, I like the idea of all that bread. So um, anyway, let's pray, and then we'll get out of here because uh, we're one minute long. So let's pray. Father God, you work in these amazing ways, and you could work in this world any way that you want. That's the thing that astounds me, but you choose people. You choose to take your time with people, and you choose one man who doesn't have any kids who's old to tell this great story about how he has kids who might not have kids, and who knows if the family's even going to make it, but it does, God, because you are faithful. And out of that one seed, a great big tree grows where this body of faith, where these people of faith live in many nations, and it's just all tied in, God. And we want to be that those people. We want those stories to continue. We want people to show up unexpected at our door and for us to treat them like they are, are you showing up at our door. And we want to go to the world and show up at other people's doors with gifts of grace and kindness and hospitality and, and the gospel. Um, we want to be pervasive like like weeds and like, leaven and like mustard and all over for the sake of your kingdom. And we just thank you that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Read my story, pull from the page.